Oh, good morning, everybody, or good afternoon. Welcome back to the Association for Mineral Exploration Roundup Conference 2022 final day here. And actually, this will be my final corporate update uh, from a long list of interviews we were able to uh, you know, crunch through this week. Thanks so much for tuning in every day and a lot to be followed up with if you if you didn't able to catch a lot of these interviews throughout the week. Uh, so we're going to wrap up with Martin Turen from FPX Nickel trading on the TSX Venture with FPX and on the OTCQB with FPOCF. Uh, Martin, I just got to tell you, man, it's really nice to see you back in your home turf. Yeah, it's great. Great to see people out at a conference again. It kind of, hopefully, it's a sign of things to come. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I think you're just kind of attending the conference today. Uh, but you know, you live here. You've you work in BC. Uh, tell us, kind of what is um, in general sentiment with BC exploration feeling like that we're starting a new year. It's it's extremely positive. Probably as positive as I've seen since I've been in the, in the industry. Actually. Um, you know, that gets to availability of labor, availability of drill contractors, yeah. et cetera. And that's a great thing, you know, uh, availability of geologists. Um, that's a great thing for, for those folks who are able to get work to have, you know, profitable businesses. And it's a sign of, uh, I think, big things to come, even in years to come. Uh, I don't see this this being a blip. Uh, I, I see this being sort of a long duration cycle for, for BC exploration and mining. So I think it's great. What, what, what kind of makes you feel like it's a, it's a long lasting thing? Oh, I mean, BC is very well endowed, obviously, uh, geologically. Um, one of the things that I think is very important that sets aside, sets apart BC and Canada's jurisdictions generally is mm-hmm. is hydroelectric power that has nothing to do with geology, but it has a huge amount to do with sort of downstream processing of the products that we can produce here. We can recover minerals into concentrates and other products with a very low CO2 footprint, owing to that abundant hydroelectric power here, both in BC and Canada. And that's going to be a huge, I think, strategic differentiator for Canadian mining going forward versus some other jurisdictions that may have the same or even better geological endowment. But if they don't have that clean, renewable power um, nearby to be able to actually produce the concentrates and products, those products are going to be high carbon products and those will have a lesser market uh, globally uh, into various uses. Uh, you know, obviously mining and exploration in this country has just been a bedrock uh, for GDP and the, its economy throughout the country. But as things continue to evolve, we're seeing a lot of collaborations, unique partnerships that have happened you know, throughout the last couple decades that maybe wouldn't have been there 30, 40 years ago. Uh, one partnership actually that I'd love to hit on with you um, was last night at the awards gala. Uh, an associate of yours from UBC, the University of British Columbia, received an award, uh, Mr. Dipple. Uh, listen, like it's that. I'm going to let you explain it because I will completely ruin the premise of it. But it has to do with rocks being able to sequester CO2. I mean, this is some fascinating stuff. We've briefly talked about it in the past. Well, let's really open that up and and what. What has Mr. Dipple and FPX been working on in partnership together? Yeah, so FPX has been working with Greg Dipple and his uh, students and associates at the University of BC uh, for the last six years, actually. And Greg is a world leader in you know driving forward the understanding of what's called carbon mineralization. That is where, in certain geological settings, uh, host rocks. Uh, in certain ge- geological settings, rather, uh, are abundance of a mineral called brucite and other associated magnesium minerals. 
when those magnesium minerals go through the mineral process and get uh, are part of host rock that gets crushed and ground down to a fine enough particle size, uh, that brucite and those magnesium minerals become exposed to air mm -hmm. and will actually naturally sequester CO2 from air. So they, those minerals look to stabilize themselves by reacting with carbon. Yeah. And that locks that CO2 away in a new mineral form and a magnesium carbonate mineral in perpetuity. So, you know, Greg has been a leader in pushing forward globally the understanding of this phenomenon. It's a phenomenon that's observed in practice at a large nickel mine in Australia called Mount Keith that's operated by BHP. And so, totally by accident, the tailings at the Mount Keith operation sequester a significant amount of CO2. Mm -hmm. So that helps to drive down the CO2 footprint of that operation. We also see the same opportunity with FPX's project, um, and that thus our collaboration with with Greg and his team over time. And it was, you know, great to see him get that Innovator Award. It's uh, very richly deserved. Is is what's the capacity for absorbing the CO two? Is it ever ending, or does it stop at a certain threshold? Do they know yet? Yeah. So basically, for every for every unit of brucite, that can sequester one unit of CO two. And once that sequestration has happened, that new carbon carbonate mineral has been formed. Mm. So the sequestration capacity of any given host rock is really driven by principally by the content of that brucite. There's some lesser sequestration capacity with other magnesium minerals, but they don't sequester at the same rate as brucite. So once that chemical reaction between a particle of brucite and a particle of CO2 has occurred, those two join forces, so to speak, chemically to form a new carbonate mineral. That ex that you know that the, the sequestration potential that brucite has been exhausted at that point. And, and so, and what do you do once uh, once that um, connection has been made? Yeah. Do you kind of put more brucite on top of it so for the next round? I mean, it kind of sounds like a, a um, you know, a, a, like an organic soil pit. You know, yeah, you're yeah. Just or it's almost it. you could think about it almost like a reverse heat leach. Like with every sure. new layer that you yeah, add. Yeah. You're adding a new layer of freshly reactive brucite that's sitting there ready to react with CO2. Once that reaction has occurred, you can add another layer of brucite on top of that. So, you know, in a mining context, it brings up all kinds of interesting opportunities as to how to best, um, uh, you know, uh, dispose of tailings in such a way where you can maximize that, that uh, reaction. The, the, the rate limiting factor here is the delivery of the CO2 to the surface of that brucite. So the more that you can do to expose that brucite till it's fully reacted with CO2, uh, the better. Is this mostly applicable with nickel projects? Is, is there a reason it's, that's associated with nickel? So these these magnesium minerals are largely associated with any ultramafic hosted mineral deposit. Um, so that would cover things principally like, you know, uh, 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 ultramafic hosted nickel deposits like at Mount Keith, like the, B the FPX deposit. Also, this is a phenomenon that's observed at some of the uh, uh, kimberlitic hosted uh, diamond deposits as well. You know, I, FPX has been very um, poignant in making sure you get to a net zero or even net negative type of scoping study. Yeah. Um, hopefully one day to be a mine, net zero mine. You know, how integral is this to that plan? And w without it, could, would you be more challenged to get to that to that end game? Yeah, so your, your gross carbon emissions from a large open pit mining operation like the one we have envisioned uh, would be driven by a couple of factors. Um, uh, 
the vast majority of it would be driven by uh, the assumption that you're using a, di a diesel-fueled mining fleet. Right. And we think that by the time a project like ours can become an operating mine, uh, there will be zero-carbon uh, mining fleets at this scale of operation. We know they exist right now in existing underground operations, but for the very large trucks, that's not a reality yet. But we've seen some announcements even recently from Tech and Caterpillar that they're taking steps in that direction. So we expect by the mid to latter part of this decade, even the very largest uh, uh, units in the mining and mobile mining fleets will be zero-carbon zero fleets. The other, there's also a small amount of carbon emissions associated with um, the transmission of hydroelectric, uh, hydroelectric power in BC. Um, so in, in, a, in a mine concept where Baptiste is being developed using a zero carbon mining fleet, the gross carbon emissions would be almost zero. When you layer on the impact of carbon sequestration in tailings, we could, we could you know, very, very readily get to a carbon uh, net negative scenario for nickel production, which is, uh, would be you know, definitely the first of its kind in the world. How, how many you know, partnerships and collaborations have you had to form since coming on with FPX and pushing Baptiste forward? You know, how has those partnerships evolved? I mean, uh, UBC hasn't been the only partnership. Obviously, there's a lot else going on. What other consultants are you working with? I mean, you know, in terms of UBC, we've had multiple different fields of study. The, Greg and his team represent the work we've done on carbon sequestration. We've also had a lot of, um, you know, PhD and master's students looking at other aspects of geology and metallurgy as well. Mm -hmm. So we've been a big supporter of work out at UBC. Um, in terms of consultants, you know, like any mining company, um, you use a wide array of consultants. Uh, you know, one of the groups that has a booth just down the way here is a group called Equity Exploration. They're a, a group that's known very well for their uh, sort of turnkey exploration and drilling services yeah. that they provide. Uh, among, one among very many, uh, you know, service providers that we could, you know, just about throw a dart here on the on the exhibition floor and, and find someone who's worked on this project in one way, shape, or form. Yeah. Uh, you put out some news, you know, what was it, a couple days ago. Uh, you're launching the scoping study for Baptiste, uh, for production. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's an important announcement because it just shows you are continuing to move this forward. And we've had this discussion a couple times this week about how exploration companies should continue to de-risk projects. Um, and I think a lot of the conversation has been, you need to move forward as if you are going to put this thing into production and build it. That's the safest way to do it. Paul Wessels, we had a great conversation about Casino that way, their partnership with Rio Tinto. That out is not a guarantee. So they need to continue to move forward on their own as if they were to build that thing. Is that kind of how you are going to approach this study and with, with the Baptiste project? Yeah, 100%. I mean, um Particularly for projects like Paul's, like this this one, you know, the the destiny of, of projects of this scale is really to sit in the hands of a major mining company, uh, and so you know the work that those counterparties do at that scale in terms of due diligence reviews and then project development, if they're going to get involved in something, uh, they want to see first of all that before their involvement that the work is done to that standard that they would hold internally for any project they would have. Um, so it, you're not likely to get partnership or investment from groups like that if you're not if you're not kind of sober and have that right sort of project development with that major company hat on. Despite the fact that as a junior company you may not have all the resources that those companies do, 
In terms of our study, yeah, I mean, we've done a, a preliminary economic assessment on the deposit uh, a couple years ago. This particular scoping study that you're referring to is an internal study that's going to be looking on the integration of our concentrate into the downstream of the EV battery market, looking at our ability to produce nickel sulfate, which is the chemi chemical that goes into the cathode of the battery. So it's um, part of the story that I think is not well understood, the unique advantages that our uh, deposit has for producing a product that would go very readily into that battery market. You know, we've been having you know, a lot of conversations, like probably most nickel companies, over the last six to eight months with uh, a range of uh, OEMs and, and battery makers, and um, sort of highlighting that to, to, those, to that audience and to the investor audience is uh, very important for us. Uh, would love to get your comments on the news out of the U.S. about Tesla coming in and writing an agreement to take Talon Nichols concentrate. You know, it is important to note that's not a mine. There's still an exploration development mode. Um, there was no money that changed hands at all. It was. It almost seemed to me, and, and I hope nobody. I hope nobody's offended. It seemed a little bit of like a PR kind of push. But it was significant because it did show that private you know, companies, producers, are looking to disrupt supply chains for the, th the resources they need to produce their goods. Yeah, I think it was a very significant announcement. Um, the structure of it, I think anyone, people can have their own opinions on whether it was a good deal or not. Um, but I think it, it underlies the, the point, uh, you know, I could maybe expand on the point I was making. We've been having conversations, uh, again, like most nickel companies, I would suspect, with a, a range of these downstream consumers, whether the chemical companies, the battery makers, or the car makers themselves. And those companies, you know, they are, you know, wading into, you know, securing raw materials for those batteries is something totally new for them. They're, particularly car companies are accustomed to all kinds of procurement challenges, but they have just-in-time, you know, uh, manufacturing cycles, uh, procurement cycles where, you know, if they need, you know, plastics for their, you know, dashboards, they, 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 they can set that into place fairly quickly. The timelines to develop, to, to develop and deliver nickel units or graphite units or lithium units, the market is on a whole other time scale. Uh, there's no such thing as just-in-time mining. <laughs> um, so it's my view that those entities here over the next 12 to 24 months will look to do those same types of deals as mm -hmm. what you might have seen with Talon and Tesla. But I would suggest to you that as time goes on, the, um, you know, Robert Friedland talks about the revenge of the miners, and I think it will play out in, in this sense in that those, those downstream participants will be forced to actually write checks to help support project development uh, mm -hmm. going forward. So for the for Tesla, it's a great deal. They get a they get an option on on nickel offtake. They don't have to put any upfront money to work. I think in 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 months and in years to come, those car makers will be induced to have to put money on the table first before they can secure that supply. Part of the reason is that you know the incumbent nickel producers won't do deals like that. They won't do fixed price offtake contracts. They they and and for the car companies, not only do they need the the units of metal, but they want that price certainty. Right. Mm -hmm. It's one thing to have offtake, but if it's tied to market pricing, that still leaves them exposed to the volatility of the nickel price doubling or tripling. Right. Okay. If it, the only way that they can get both security of the units themselves and security over pricing is really one of two ways. One, they could do stream arrangements, which would entail, you know, large upfront uh, uh, investments, 
or they can have uh, mine level ownership and the associated offtake rights. And, and those are the really t only two ways they can guarantee pricing. Martin, I remember uh, right before the holiday break, my last guest was Doug Silver from Orion Mine Finance, yeah. now retired. And he talked about, I remember in that discussion, he said he's curious where the next type of disruption and financing is going to come from. He's like, something's bound to happen because we've had the same models for for years now. And maybe maybe you're just hitting on something, that idea, maybe that disruption will come from a partnership, just like you described, from a producer coming in and actually making major equity stakes or downright whole ownership of resource projects throughout the metals industry. Yeah, I, I think, you know, streaming has obviously been a model that's focused very much on precious metals. Uh, it's, those are easy things to, you know, if you're producing a, a, an ounce of gold, right, it's very easy to understand what the market pricing of that is. It's a little bit different in base metals because you're, you know, the miners are tending to produce concentrates and it's right. not like an FPX nickel concentrate is going to have a quoted market price. It's going to have a reference to the LME price, but it's going to be priced on the particulars of the specifications of that concentrate itself. But those, you know, building, you know, inventive pricing model for a stream on concentrates is not, you know, beyond the capacity of intelligent people sitting around a table and hashing it out. I mean, look, two of us. <laughs> uh, probably smarter than the two <laughs> yeah, of us. Okay. But, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so it, it, it's great to be back here in Vancouver. We've got to wrap this up, Martin, but kind of talk to us about what's going to, what's coming down the pipeline with Baptiste, um, you know, as we continue to go through the winter months and, and getting into the spring here almost. Yeah, so a big focus for us right now is on metallurgical test work. You know, we're dealing with a, a relatively novel style of nickel mineralization, so we recognize we have a higher bar to meet in terms of demonstrating the robustness of the flow sheet. We're in the midst of a, what is going to be, you know, by the time it's done in the middle of this year, we'll have been in an 18-month metallurgical test program at multiple labs with, you know, uh, across a variety of samples representing all phases of the mine life. We put out the first phase of results in uh, December. We've, we'll have more results to the market here in, in, uh, in weeks and months to come. More news on the carbon front, uh, which we'll be excited to talk about when that hits the market as well. And then really gearing up preparation for another field season that's going to involve you know, reinitiation of environment, environmental baseline studies. But perhaps more excitingly for, the, for investors is continued drilling at our new van discovery this is a discovery that we think could ultimately host, uh, you know, a richer or higher, or larger or higher grade ore body than what we already have at Baptiste. Well, you found higher grade already. We have so um, expanding that and and you know, continuing to demonstrate that that thesis hangs together is, is going to be an exciting part of this year as well. Uh, look forward to following the story and catching up with you as those results and the news flow comes out. Uh, it's great to see you in person. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you again here in probably the next few weeks. Yeah, hope to see you again in person real soon. Yeah, maybe PDAC. I don't know. Maybe Vrick. Now that all that's changed. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I, I will be back in person. That's Martin Trent from FPX Nickel, trading on the TSX Venture with FPX and also on the OTCQB with FPOCF. Uh, we'll be right back in a little bit with the last wrap-up from AME's Roundup Conference. Stay tuned. The information presented should not be considered investment advice. Mining Stock Daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein. 
Please do your own research or speak with a licensed financial representative before making any investment decisions.